Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Update for Saturday, March 18th and Sunday, March 19th, 2023. Uh, we do have a few anniversaries. On March 17th, 1861, the first Italian parliament proclaimed King Victor Emmanuel II of Sardinia king of a newly unified Italy. This was the culmination of the unification prog process, or the uh, Risorgimento, uh, that began amid the revolutions of 1848, although the process wasn't completed until the Italians took Venice from Austria in 1866 and Rome from the papacy in 1870. Uh, on March 18, 1921, the Peace of Riga formally ended the 1919-1920 Polish-Soviet War. The Poles emerged mostly victorious, regaining some of the territory they had lost to the Russian Empire during the three 18th century partitions of Poland. And the outcome put a damper on the Bolsheviks' plans to try to spread their revolution to other parts of Europe. Uh, Poland's borders with what had by then become the Soviet Union were, of course, redrawn again during and after World War II. Uh, on March 18, 1965, during the Voskhod 2 space mission, cosmonaut Alexei Leonov uh, became the first person to conduct a spacewalk. Leonov exited the Voskhod spacecraft and spent 12 minutes, 9 seconds in space. The mission's end the following day almost became a tragedy when weather forced the capsule to touch down off course in the heavy, heavily forested Upper Kama Upland region. Uh, Leonov and his fellow cosmonaut uh, Pavel Belyayev had to spend the night in the forest because the terrain made their planned airlift impossible and ground rescuers couldn't reach them until the following day. Fortunately, they were able to do so. Uh, on March 19th, 1279, a heavily outnumbered Mongol fleet, or Yuan Dynasty fleet, if you prefer, defeats a Song Dynasty fleet at the Battle of Yamen, in today's, uh, uh, which is today in Guangdong province in China. Uh, despite the disparity in numbers, the Yuan were able to blockade the Song fleet in Yamen's harbor uh, until it ran out of food and water. Uh, and then once the Song were desperate enough to attack the Mongols, uh, they engaged in a ruse uh, to, to draw them into an engagement unprepared. In the wake of the defeat, the young Song Emperor Zhao Bing committed suicide, bringing the Song Dynasty finally to an end and leaving China entirely in Mongolian hands. Also on March 19th, 1962, French and Algerian forces began a, began a ceasefire under the newly agreed Evian Accords uh, that would mark the end of the fighting in the Algerian War of Independence. The Accords laid out the terms of Algerian independence while preserving some French commercial and military interests. They were put to an April referendum in both France, or, well, sorry, an April referendum in France and a July referendum in Algeria uh, and won approval in both countries. Uh, on to the news. Uh, in the Middle East and Syria, uh, President Bashar al-Assad visited the United Arab Emirates on Sunday, marking his second trip to an Arab Gulf state since last month's devastating Turkish-Syrian earthquake. He visited Oman a couple of weeks after the quake, uh, and also marking another step toward his rehabilitation in the Arab world. No less a dignitary than Abu Dhabi ruler and UAE President Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed uh, al-Nahyan met with Assad, shook his hand, and said publicly that the time has come, that's a quote, the time has come for Syria's restoration to intra-Arab geopolitics. Uh, paired this meeting with the fairly robust reception that Assad received in Russia on Wednesday, in contrast to previous visits where he was sort of shuttled in and out almost in the dead of night, uh, and it would appear uh, that uh, the Syrian leader is regaining uh, the international stature that he lost during uh, and amid uh, Syria's civil war. 
in Iraq, the Iranian and Iraqi government signed a new agreement on Sunday aiming to improve security along their shared border. The deal calls for closer cooperation between the two countries' security forces, something the Iranians had been seeking to help curb attacks that they claim are being carried out by Iranian Kurdish militants operating from bases in northern Iraq. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps has responded to recent protests over the last several months by attacking Kurdish targets in Iraq on a number of occasions. In Israel-Palestine, a presumably Palestinian gunman opened fire on a vehicle near the West Bank town of Huara on Sunday, wounding two people, one of them seriously. Huara was, as you may recall, the site of a pogrom by Israeli settlers last month that was prompted by a shooting hours earlier. I have not seen any reports of violence following this shooting. Uh, The man who was seriously wounded turns out to be a U.S. citizen. I'm also not sure uh, about the status of the gunman. I have seen unconfirmed claims that uh, he was subsequently killed by Israeli police or Israeli soldiers. Uh, But again, I can't confirm that. Uh, Meanwhile, Palestinian Islamic Jihad is claiming that one of its commanders was assassinated, that's the term they used, by Israeli operatives in Syria on Sunday. From what I can tell, there are minimal details available regarding this story, apart from from the claim from Islamic Jihad itself. Uh, Someone fired a rocket out of Gaza on Saturday to no effect and without apparently drawing an Israeli response, at least not yet. Uh, I don't believe anyone has claimed the rocket or explained the lack of response, but Israeli and Palestinian Authority officials did meet in Egypt on Sunday with the ostensible goal of ratcheting down tensions in the occupied territories. So maybe the lack of a retaliatory airstrike had something to do with that agenda. Part of their agreement in Egypt uh, reportedly involved a promise by the Israelis not to discuss any new settlement construction for at least the next four months. Uh, However, this is similar to a pledge the Israelis supposedly made in a meeting in Jordan last month that was immediately repudiated by senior Israeli officials. In Kuwait, the Kuwaiti Constitutional Court decided on Sunday that last September's parliamentary election was null and void uh, over some sort of irregularity uh, in the decree that Crown Prince Michal al-Ahmed al-Jabra Sabah promulgated uh, last June, dissolving the previous legislature. The court ordered the reinstatement of that previous parliament. This ruling, uh, I would have to say, uh, is likely to worsen uh, the country's political impasse, the discord between the parliament and the ruling family, since the parliament elected in September was favorable to opposition figures who will undoubtedly resent having those gains wiped out. Uh, In Asia and Kazakhstan, Kazakh voters headed to the polls on Sunday to elect a new parliament, their first under the parameters they adopted in last June's constitutional referendum. Uh, Well, about half of them uh, headed to the polls anyway. Official turnout was a bit over 54 percent, which is well below historic norms, historical norms, though in Kazakhstan's case, it is unclear whether that reflects a true decline in voter participation or signifies that authorities are no longer cooking the proverbial electoral books, I suspect the latter more than the former, but who knows. Uh, exit polling indicates that President Kasim Jomar Tokayev is the election's big winner. His Amanat party looks to have won a majority of seats uh, in the Kazakh Majlis, uh, though, again, its margin of victory was lower than in previous elections, the ruling party's margin. Uh, and again, I think this is evidence that the cooking the books thing uh, the explanation is, is accurate. Uh, maybe they're not doing so much of it or any of it uh, anymore. Uh, f- but five other 
other parties uh, that are in line to win seats uh, in the new parliament are also generally in Tokayev's camp. So he should have no problem getting his uh, agenda passed. Some number of independent opposition candidates may actually win seats. Uh, this would be something of a first for a Kazakh parliamentary election. But again, they, they just won't have the numbers to seriously challenge Tokayev or his uh, agenda. In Pakistan, former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan turned up as promised uh, to an Islamabad trial court on Saturday to respond to some of the uh, various legal charges that he's facing, after which the court dismissed the arrest warrants that had been issued against him over previous failures to appear in court. Uh, Khan did not actually enter the courtroom, apparently, uh, due to violent clashes that were going on uh, between his supporters and police around the building. Uh, so instead, the judge logged his appearance while he waited in his vehicle uh, and then turned around and headed home to Lahore. Uh, he returned home to find that police there had broken through several barricades erected around his house by his supporters, uh, arresting at least 61 of those supporters in the process. They also apparently searched the area around Khan's home, where according to Pakistani Interior Minister Rana Sanaullah, uh, they found weapons and ammunition. Uh, in North Korea, the North Korean military shot another missile into the ocean on Sunday. This uh, one of the sh this one of the short-range ballistic variety, according to South Korean military. Uh, this is their fourth weapons launch in less than a week. Uh, it comes, of course, in response to the ongoing Freedom Shield military exercise that the U.S. and South Korea are conducting. According to North Korean media, the launch was part of a two-day drill. Uh, simulating, uh, quote, simulating a nuclear counterattack, end quote. Uh, so that sounds nice. Hopefully, you know, everybody had fun. Uh, we just want everybody to have a good time and, and kind of, you know, uh, uh, keep it on, keep it, keep it light, keep it happy as you're simulating a nuclear counterattack. Uh, in Africa and Sudan, uh, th that country's political factions have reportedly agreed on the composition of a transitional government that will take office on April 11th. Details are spotty, but apparently this includes the formation of a committee to draft a new constitution that consists of nine civilian members uh, and one member each from the regular Sudanese military and the paramilitary rapid support forces unit. It is unclear whether Sudan's ruling junta is on board with this plan, but junta leaders have expressed a willingness to hand power over to a civilian government. In Ethiopia, the Tigray People's Liberation Front has named its spokesperson, uh, Getachu Reda, to head an interim government for Ethiopia's Tigray region. Uh, under the terms of the peace deal that the TPLF and the Ethiopian government reached last November, his nomination now goes to the Ethiopian government for approval or rejection. There is no indication yet how they will respond, how Ethiopian officials will respond. Uh, if Getachu is approved, he will replace uh, TPLF boss Debrezian Gebre Mikel. Uh, as Tigrayan leader, uh, if he's approved. If he's not, I, I really don't know what could happen. Uh, it could get uh, quite tense, actually, I would imagine. Uh, establishing an interim Tigrayan regional government is an essential component of implementing the peace deal, uh, again, that was reached last November, and ensuring the distribution of humanitarian assistance throughout the war-torn area. In the Democratic Republic of the Congo, at least 22 people were killed in attacks in the eastern uh, DR Congo late Saturday. The ethnic Lendu Kodeko militia is believed to have been responsible for attacks on several villages in Ituri province that collectively killed at least 12 people. Elsewhere, Islamic State, via its allied Democratic Forces affiliate, has claimed responsibility for an attack that killed at least 10 people in North Kivu province. Additionally, there are reports of new fighting between Congolese forces and the M23 militia, which had been 
quiet for several days prior to Saturday's clashes. Uh, in Europe and Ukraine, the parties to the Black Sea Grain Initiative agreed on Saturday to renew it for at least 60 days at Russia's behest. The Ukrainian government initially announced a 120-day extension, but Moscow subsequently made it clear that it had only agreed to the shorter extension. The Russians say they will not agree to any further extensions of the initiative beyond that unless they're satisfied that Western countries have ensured that their sanctions are no longer blocking Russian food and fertilizer exports. The U.S. in particular has imposed broad financial sanctions on Russia that impinge on all manner of commercial activity. And while the Biden administration continues to insist that its sanctions do not apply to basic goods like food and fertilizer, that's only true in the most technical sense. Food exports themselves may technically not be banned, but other sanctions can make them logistically impossible. Sanctions on banks, sanctions on shipping companies, uh, all the logistical things that go into organizing those exports uh, may be effectively shut down. Uh, in Kosovo, Serbian President Aleksandar Vucic and Kosovan Prime Minister Alban Kurti met with European Union officials in North Macedonia on Saturday to discuss normalizing their relationship. And after a lengthy negotiating session, they agreed to something. Uh, I'd like to be more specific here, but they didn't put anything to paper, mostly because Vucic refuses to sign any sort of agreement with Kosovo as he fears that would be interpreted as de facto recognition of Kosovo's independence. They apparently came to a verbal agreement along the lines of a previous EU proposal that calls for the Serbian government to stop blocking Kosovo's admission into international organizations and for the Kosovan government to create some sort of autonomous administrative structure for ethnic Serbs in northern Kosovo. Kurdi's uh, unwillingness to commit to a detailed plan for ethnic Serb autonomy is also an ongoing sticking point in these negotiations. Both of these leaders appear to be constrained by domestic politics to a significant degree, i.e. if Vucic does anything that could be interpreted as recognizing Kosovan independence, he will pay a price. And if Kurti does anything that could be interpreted as giving uh, ethnic Serbs uh, de facto independence from Kosovo uh, or even substantial autonomy, he could also pay a price. Uh, in Montenegro, incumbent uh, Milo Djukanovic appears to have uh, Djukanovic, excuse me, appears to have won the first round of Montenegro's presidential election on Sunday, but he is projected to finish well shy of the outright majority needed to avoid a runoff. Right now, Djukanovic uh, is expected to take a bit over 35% of the vote, uh, which will put him in the second round alongside former economy minister uh, Yakov Milatovic. Uh, he looks to take over a bit uh, over, excuse me, he looks to take a bit over 29%. Uh, I haven't seen any head-to-head polling of this matchup, but Djukanovic uh, uh, is relatively poor showing uh, for a long-time incumbent, at least, uh, in the first round, suggests that he may be vulnerable uh, in the runoff. Uh, on to the Americas in Colombia. Colombian President Gustavo Petro announced on Sunday that his government is suspending its ceasefire with the Clan del Golfo criminal gang. That ceasefire had been in place since earlier this year as part of Petro's overall effort to negotiate amnesty deals with all of Colombia's armed groups. But Petro accused uh, the gang last weekend of destroying an aqueduct in Colombia's uh, Antioquia province. And on Sunday, he said that the gang had attacked Colombian police, although he didn't go into any detail. Uh, and I haven't seen any other the reporting of such an incident. Uh, in Nicaragua, the Vatican closed its Nicaraguan embassy on Saturday, roughly one week after the Nicaraguan government announced its intention to suspend bilateral ties. 
Nicaraguan President Daniel Ortega has distanced himself from the Vatican, accusing the Catholic Church of siding with his political opponents. Uh, his government sentenced dissident Catholic Bishop uh, Rolando Alvarez to 26 years in prison last month. Uh, and earlier this month, uh, Pope Francis referred to Ortega's government as a, quote, rude dictatorship, end quote, uh, in an interview precipit which precipitated this uh, latest break. In Mexico, gunmen suspected of ties to La Familia Michoacana, a local drug cartel, ambushed a military unit in Mexico's Guerrero State on Friday. At least two soldiers and five attackers were killed in the ensuing battle. Uh, and finally, in the United States, as you may know, it is the uh, 20th anniversary of our glorious invasion of Iraq. And over at Foreign Affairs, Stephen Wertheim, a friend of the show, friend of the pod, the, the newsletter, a friend of American Prestige, uh, wonders whether uh, U.S. policymakers have really learned anything from that abomination. Uh, I'll read you the first couple of paragraphs of his piece. 20 years ago, the United States invaded Iraq. It spent a decade breaking the country and then trying to put it back together again. It spent another decade trying to forget. Quote, we have met our responsibility, end quote, U.S. President Barack Obama told the nation in 2010 while declaring a short-lived end to the U.S. combat mission in Iraq. Quote, now it is time to turn the page, end quote. For Obama, moving on meant taking the fight to al-Qaeda and the Taliban in Afghanistan through a surge of U.S. troops. Obama's critics, for their part, soon found another reason to tell Americans to get over Iraq. The debacle was, in their view, making the president and the public too reticent to use military force, this time to sort out Syria's civil war, which erupted in 2011. Obama refrained from striking Damascus, but he ended up deploying troops to Iraq and Syria in 2014 to fight the Islamic State, which emerged out of the maelstrom of the United States' original invasion. By 2021, it was President Joe Biden's turn to urge the country to move on from post-9-11 debacles. Quote, I stand here today for the first time in 20 years with the United States not at war, end quote, he declared in September. Biden had just withdrawn U.S. forces from Afghanistan. The United States nevertheless continued to conduct counterterrorism operations in multiple countries, including Iraq, where 2,500 ground troops remained. Quote, we've turned the page, end quote, Biden said. Have we? Over two decades, Americans have stubbornly, stubbornly refused to move on from Iraq. That is partly because the U.S. military is still fighting there and many other places besides. More profoundly, the country cannot turn the page without reading and comprehending it, without truly reckoning with the causes of the war. It may be painful to revisit what drove American leaders on a bipartisan basis to want to invade a country that had not attacked the United States and had no plans to do so, facts widely appreciated at the time. Yet without looking back, the country will not move forward with confidence and unity. Uh, I'll leave it there, but I would urge you to check out the piece. It's quite good, and I think uh, Mark's probably the best thing I've read. There have been a number of uh, pieces, obviously, around this 20th anniversary. Probably the best one that I've read uh, comes from Stevens, so please check it out. Uh, there's a link, of course, as always, in the uh, newsletter. On that note, uh, thanks to all of you for reading and or listening to the newsletter, and thanks to those of you who are Foreign Exchange subscribers, especially if you're a paid Foreign Exchange subscriber. And if you're not a paid Foreign Exchange subscriber, please consider becoming one today uh, and supporting the newsletter. Um, with that, um, I guess that's it for us tonight. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, uh, I'm very excited to be uh, introducing another new contributor to Foreign Exchanges, so you'll want to uh, keep an eye out for that and uh, his piece will be up I think next week uh, so I'll have a little introduction tomorrow and then first piece next week uh, and uh, yeah until next time take care and I'll talk to you soon bye bye